Good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? And can I say happy February? This is the first time I'm meeting with you guys, right? This is the first weekend, the first Sunday in February. Hey, we made it through January and it's a good thing, right? Praise the Lord. So how's everyone doing? Well, I want to say happy February, and a lot has taken place in this past week. I want to say happy new year. It's the year of the tiger in the Chinese new year, and now the year of the tiger represents strength, courage, and bravery. And for those who are born in the year of the tiger, according to the zodiac system, 
They're said to be brave, passionate, and eager to take on challenges. But sometimes they can be rebellious, overconfident, and stubborn. Hmm, interesting. I want to know if I know anybody that's born in the year of the tiger. Not this year, of course, because you know that they repeat. I don't know how many, how many so years. I don't know if it's seven or something. But you know what? Why don't you guys do that? Look it up. Look it up in Google right now. See if your year, what animal you were born under in the Chinese New Year, and see if any of you fall under the year of the tiger. And if you do, give me a call. Um, I'm going to give out the number because I have a lot to do today. The number to the studio is 718-673-8201, right? That's 718-673-8201. I know sometimes I give out that number and I say it really fast and then I never go back to it. And people are like, oh, you gave out the number, but you said it so quick. So I'm trying to, because you know what it is? It's just that I always have so much to say and I try to cram everything into this one hour session where it's like I just have so much information to give you guys. And I just try to give you everything while I'm remembering it, because once it leaves, it's gone. And I'm like, oh, did I remember to do this, that or the other? So now going back to the year of the tiger. Yes. Anyone, like I said, look that up. Call me if you are. If not, call me and let me know what year and what animal you were born under and what it means. And what else is going on this this February? Oh, it's Black History Month. Yay! Now, I know I should probably be more excited because it's Black History Month, but can I just say this? And I don't want anybody to get upset with me because you all know that I am black. And for those of you who don't know, hey, I'm black, okay? Um, the fact that, okay, I know everybody gets a month, right? Everybody gets a month to be celebrated. But if we're supposed to be doing things differently in this post-pandemic era, right? Because the pandemic gave us a reset, a reset to step back, look at what we had been doing wrong, and to change it and make the adjustments to do it correct, Right. So not saying that get rid of Black History Month, but can we just give information for whosoever month it is, whether it be Latinx month, Asian Heritage Month, Indigenous Peoples Month, whatever month people slap on something. Can we just do it all year round? Can we have the history of what everybody's doing and contributing or has contributed all year round? Why is it only that during Black History Month, we see all these things that all these accomplishments that black people have done or during Asian Heritage Month, we see all these accomplishments that Asians have done. OK, like they only did things in that month or we can only talk about it in that month. We should be celebrating everyone every day. If somebody does something, just the way they take out the time to say, oh, it's Black History Month. And they have all these collage pictures coming together, showing everybody prominent. And then they give the little blog of who they want to talk about for that day. No. Why can't we have a segment like that every day or once a week or whenever someone's doing something that's important? Why can't we say, oh, let's why can't we have a let's celebrate this person's month? And whoever's doing something dynamic, regardless of what ethnicity they are, we celebrate them so that we don't have to keep trying to cram everything in 
whatever month we happen to give them in the year. Well, that probably sh- should have been a part of op-ed, but I digress. <laughs> what I really wanted to say about Black History Month was Masterclass has a new three-part course for Black History Month. It's free to take this February. And I have all the details posted on my Instagram page, which if you don't know it, it's today. today. That's my Instagram page. I have it posted on there, all the information about the masterclass and the three-part course. I'll talk about it more in op-ed, but I just wanted to get that out because that's what I really wanted to say for Black History Month. But then, you know, how the spirit takes me. It just lets me tell the truth, right? So happy February, everyone. Happy February. So now, moving right along. Oh, one more thing. Let me get my housekeeping out of the way. And this is important because it's a band that's going to have a live show. So I want to promote that for them. Okay. Let's see, who is it? Oh, Radio Free Brooklyn is proud to present Black Emoji. They are, oh, Black Emoji and Control the Sound. Those are two groups, Black Emoji and Control the Sound at the legendary Mercury Lounge, Sunday, February 13th at 5 p.m. So it's this coming Sunday coming up. At 5 p.m. at the Mercury Lounge, which is located at 217 East Houston Street in New York City. Tickets are $12 and are available at the door or through Ticketmaster. And as per New York law, proof of vaccination is required for entry. So now, today, since this is February and this is the month of not just Black History and Chinese New Year and it's also the month of love, right? When you think about February, people think about the month of love and all those good things and President's Day probably. But today we're going to discuss emotions, how to handle your emotions, right? And we know, we know that with every lesson God has been giving us since the beginning of the year, he's given it to us as preparation for something that's coming in our future, So I hope everyone has been taking notes, especially from when we started off with when he gave us the entire faith beyond measure. So he's looking for us to put all these tools that he's been giving to us every show this year to really implement them so that he can show himself true in your life if he hasn't already to you. And I'm sure he probably has to all of us. I mean, especially us, you know, those of us that know him. He's already showed us time and time again, but he wants to take it to an even higher level because he's like, look, stop, just let me be who I am in your life and I can show you how well your life can be, right? If you just allow me. So let's begin. Usually when we talk about the topics of emotions, it usually becomes a tricky subject to deal with because emotions govern so much of what we do and how we react. And how many of you have heard people refer to you and say, oh, you're being so emotional or why are you so, you know, why are you so emotional? Well, they're just too emotional. But is it really that you're too emotional or are you just expressive? 
So you have to, you have to, after we talk about all of the, what emotions are and what feelings are and what they really mean, then you'll understand which category you fall into and why certain things happen the way they do. So now emotions is, according to Webster, a natural instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationship with others. But now, according to the American Psychological Association, APA, emotion is defined as a complex reaction pattern involving involving behavioral and psychological elements. In other words, my definition, emotions are how individuals deal with matters or situations they find personally significant. If it matters to you, it's going to create an emotion, right? It's going to form an emotion. Now, people usually use emotions and feelings interchangeably, but there is a difference between the two, right? Feelings are reactions to emotions. Feelings form When your brain assigns a meaning to the emotional experience that you're having and feelings are conscious, meaning that when you have your feelings, you know, you know what you're feeling. When it's something with an emotion, it's something that usually triggers that emotion to come up because you're going to have a reaction to whatever it is that's happening. And I have a great example. As usual, you know, I always take it back to the word because there's nothing As Solomon said, nothing new under the sun. There is nothing that I discuss here on this show in any aspect of life that you can't find reference to it in the Bible. Just saying. So the example that God gave me for this topic was 1 Samuel chapter 25. And our scripture is coming from verse 1 to 8. And today I'm going to be using the Message Bible because I want everyone to understand the story and to get the exact language so that you can, because emotion is so, when, when I, even when I read the, the definition of what an emotion is, you, is, you still have to try to put it together to understand what it means. That's why I want to read the scripture and talk about it from the Message Bible because the Message Bible speaks speaks plain English, right? So here we are, 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1 to 8. Samuel died. The whole country came to his funeral. Everyone grieved over his death, and he was buried in his hometown of Ramah. Meanwhile, David moved again, this time to the wilderness of Maon. Now, in this story, now I'm not reading anymore from the the Bible. I'm interjecting here. Now, in this story, you'll see how emotions can cause a chain reaction of feelings, right? Because it starts out right here. It starts out, bam, Samuel died. And everybody knows that Samuel was the prophet, Hannah's baby boy, who she gave up to the Lord because she was praying for a child forever. And... 
He's the one that blessed David, anointed David with the oil to become king, right? Read 1 Samuel. You'll get all the juice in there. So now this story, you'll see how emotion can cause a chain reaction, like I said, to a reaction of feelings, right? And how they had to be, how all the feelings had to be contained by God or everyone would have suffered severe consequences. Short of it all, this story shows how words can make or break a a volatile situation, all due to emotions. So let me continue reading. Verse 2. There was a certain man in Maon who carried on his business in the region of Carmel. He was very prosperous, 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep sharing time in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal, which means fool, and he was a Calebite, and his wife's name was Abigail. The woman was intelligent and good-looking, the man brutish and mean. David, out in the back country, heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep and sent 10 of his young men off with these instructions. Go to Carmel and approach Nabal. Greet him in my name. Peace, life, and peace to you. Peace to your household. Peace to everyone here. I heard it's sheep shearing time. Here's the point. When your shepherds were camped near us, we didn't take advantage of them. They didn't lose a thing all the time they were with us in Carmel. Ask your young men, they'll tell you. What I'm asking is that you be generous with me, with my men. Share the feast. Give whatever your heart tells you to your servants and to me, David, your son. Now, that's the message that David sent to Nabal, and that blessed is the the reading of the word. That's the end of the scriptures. So that's the message that David sent through his men to go to Nabal to, you know, tell him, hey, look, your men was out here. They were out here in the wilderness with us, with the sheep, tending to the sheep. And the whole time while we were here, me and my men, we made sure that they were protected, right? They were protected from everything. Now, here's where the emotions come into the story, because Nabal's reply was, um, <laughs> no, I'm not giving you anything. How dare you? I don't even know D- David who? Oh, you mean that rebel that's running from Saul? No, I don't know him. And I'm not giving you or anybody else any of my sheep. That was Nabal's reply. But remember, the scriptures before that, his name means fool, Right. And they said that he was brutish and mean. So keep all those things in mind. Now, when the Bible gives you that much description about a person, they're giving you that much description for a reason so that you can understand the depth of the story. So here we go. So now, like I said, here's where the emotions come into the story. And just in fairness, let's just take both sides of the story. You know me with my coin, right? So I'm on heads right now. 
The heads is that David feeling that because he did a kind gesture to Nabal and his men regarding the sheep, that he should have been reciprocated for it. Now, a kind gesture on your part doesn't necessarily constitute reciprocation on anybody else's part or to whomever you did it for, especially if they didn't ask you to do it. If you just volunteered to do it, you can't expect someone to pay you. Well, it would be nice if they did, but you can't expect it and then get annoyed if they don't. If they don't respond to you the way that you feel they should, you really can't get annoyed with them because you did something on your own. Now, here it is. David allowed his feelings to dictate how to handle the situation that he had decided was of personal significance to him. See, this is where the emotion comes in because David felt a personal attachment to the herdsmen that was watching over the sheep, basically because David was a shepherd by trade. Before he was anointed to be king, they had to pull him from the pasture watching over the sheep to tell him to come in because when Samuel went to the house to anoint the king and he was looking at all the sons, he's like, are these all your sons? Because the spirit was telling him not one of these boys standing up here before me is who God wants to be king. They had to, it wasn't until they started scratching their hand. They're like, oh, wait, yeah, David's in the pasture. But in their mind, you can't possibly be thinking about him. And Samuel was like, bring him in. I need to see him. And then when he came over, boom, bang, God was like, that's the one pour the oil. So here it is, David, shepherd by trade. So, you know, if that's your trade, if that's what you love doing, if that's what you've been reared to do and you have a passion for it, then that's what's going to be close to your heart. So tending to sheep and watching over the herdsmen was something that came natural to him. And doing this good deed that involved tending to the sheep was just right up his alley. You know, he had been running from Saul trying to save his life because Saul was trying to kill him. But yet when he was in the, the wilderness, he became comfortable once again. It, it, I'm sure it probably was a relief to be able to sit back and just, you know, watch the sheep as they do things and whatever sheep do, I, I can't possibly know. But watch the herdmen as they're watching them to make sure the sheep don't get lost or get hurt or wolves don't come and snatch them off and eat them. So David felt close to that. And then, of course, you know, he was probably telling his men stories as they were out there in the wilderness with the sheep. Yeah, I remember when I was on my father's land and this happened one time and I had to kill a lion and I had to kill a bear and I had to save my sheep from blah, blah, blah. It brought back memories. It brought back emotions for him. So he had an emotionally attachment to the whole entire episode. Now, the flip side of that coin, the tail side, Nabal, is like, he don't care. He don't care how emotionally attached David got to the sheep. He wasn't giving David and his men nothing. He wasn't even acknowledging who David was. And the only way he acknowledged who David was, because see, and that lets you know, his name really summarized who he was, a fool. Because 
in one breath, you're going to tell the men. Now, David sent a very nice message, giving peace unto all. Because at this point, David was a warrior. He had already had men that was on his side because Saul was trying to kill him. And everybody who was, anyone who was attached to the spirit knew that David was going to be king because the word was out. God had anointed him to be king. So he had already had a band of merry men, if you want to call them, in an army. So when he sent these men to give the message to Nabal, he sent it very, very peacefully, you know. Hi, peace unto your family, peace unto your house. Because David, David was a a humble individual, but you mess with him the wrong way and he'd kill you. See, that's the type of man that David was. He could love everybody. He had compassion for everyone, but don't mess with him. Don't get on his bad side. He'll only... It's like, please don't force my hand. That's the way David rolled, okay? So when he went to Nabal, when he told his men to go to Nabal and talk to them, you know, talk to Nabal about, oh, could you just give us some food? Because you figure these people, these men are running all this time. They're running from Saul's army because they, you know, they're going to get killed. So they're hungry. You're in the wilderness. You're hungry. You, you're not really hunting. You're just really trying to save your own life. Nabal's like, uh-uh, ain't doing it. So... When he did, when David didn't hear, oh, going back to Nabal. So Nabal, yes, the flip side being the tales, Nabal being the fool that he is, and how I say he knew who David was because he refers to him as, oh, the rebel that's running from Saul. So if you could refer to David, David as the rebel running from Saul, then you know who he is. You know that he's more than just the rebel. You know the whole story of how he came to being the rebel running from Saul. So when people when people try to minimize your existence and only want to pick out the one side of you that they feel they want to acknowledge who you are, and it's usually not the best side of you, this right here lets you know too, pay it no mind. Pay it no mind because they're doing that for whatever reason that makes them feel good, whether their name is Nabal or not. It's always some underlying, let me just stick it to them type of attitude. And that's what Nabal had. But, ah, but for the grace of God, right? But God. So when everything starts to go to a heightened explosion, because when David gets the word back that Nabal said no, he's like, all right, men, suit up. We're going in there. We're going back to that town. We're going back to that town and we're going to slaughter everyone in there. And then we don't have to ask them, can we have the sheep? Because the sheep will belong to us. So David was suiting up. He was getting his men. He was getting their bow and arrows. They was ready. They were on the move. They was, they started heading out on the road towards Nabal's house. The men, the herdsmen that went to tell the story when they heard David was coming in to slaughter everybody. They ran back, ran back and told Abigail, who was Nabal's wife, told her what happened, what her husband had done. Abigail was like, Lord Jesus, help me. Well, she didn't say Jesus, but I'm sure if Jesus was around, then she just said Jesus. But I'm sure she said, Lord, help me. And she just got the got food together, got all these, you know, meats and breads and everything and ran to David because she wanted to stop 
the slaughter. And here, that's where God came in. God touched Abigail's heart to send her to stop her, I mean, to stop David from coming and slaughtering all those men. Now, this is where I say God intervened. Because it's not like they said the spirit of the Lord got over Abigail and she went. No, it was just the, the person that Abigail was that God was able to touch her and say, you know what, do this. Because we know God controls the hearts of men, right? He controls everybody's heart. He can turn your heart in a, on a, in a blink of an eye. He could turn your heart from something to something else. So when God sent her to give all those provisions to David, she actually met him on the road that he, as he was coming up to go as he was going into the town to do this slaughtering. So they met head to head and she pleaded with him, please don't do this. My husband's a fool, blah, 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 blah. She makes all these amends for her husband. David then says, you know what? <laughs> you're, you're a blessing to your husband because he was about to catch it. Him and his whole town was about to catch it because I was, I was gunning for them. So long story short, and you can read the story in First Samuel and I'm really paraphrase and everything and I'm throwing I'm throwing in my that my my understanding of the story but you can read it for yourself and I'm sure for whoever needs to understand what emotions can do and what feelings bring forth read this story and if God is talking to you he'll show you the part of the story that you need to understand for your own spirit but here's some steps that I want us some lessons that I want us to take away from this story and this is how God steps in to prevent disasters when it comes to emotions and feelings. First off, never allow your emotions to dictate how you handle a situation. And we saw that with David when, yes, he was emotional because he had an attachment to that particular situation that was going on. But then he let the feelings that came up when he was rejected dictate how he was going to handle the response from Nabal. We could have just said, oh, okay, we tried guys, so we can't get any food. But because he didn't give you food, you're going to go kill the whole, the whole town. Number two, when emotions become involved, examine your feelings before you decide to react on them. Now we all know David was feeling slighted and he still let that feeling rise up in him and say, Hmm, I'm going to take revenge on Abel now. Number three, always consult God first before moving out on your own. Now, if David would have asked God first, you know, Lord, why is he doing this? You know, I sent a nice word to him because David, David used to be in communion with God all the time. And if you see when he was running and on the run from Saul, he would always be praying to God. He would always be talking to God. Oh, my gosh, you know, why are they trying to get me? Why am I enemies? So it wasn't like David had stopped talking to God. David never stopped talking to God. But we'll see if you read this, if you keep reading the story of David, you'll see David talked to God when he felt like talking to God. He didn't take everything to God when he felt like doing something. David never took everything to God. And isn't that just so like us? Isn't that just so like us? We know how to take things to God, but there, if there are things that we know we want to do regardless, those things we don't take to God. We don't ask him first, oh, God, should I? Whatever it is, fill in your own blank. We don't go to him with everything, right? We go to him maybe after, after we've done it and we know we shouldn't have. But David was the same way. And I'm just showing you how David is no different than what we are. Number four, 
know that physical hunger or feeling ill will direct you to respond harshly to something before you realize it. Now, David got that, oh, I'm just going to kill this man. He doesn't want to feed us because I'm sure David and his men were hungry and thirsty. They've been out there. They've been running from Saul. They're in the wilderness. They've been watching over these sheep day and night. They haven't been eating anything, maybe just berries that they were able to find in the, in the, the wild where they were. And David could have snatched the sheep and, and slaughtered it and killed it and ate it with his men. But because he was a herdsman, he didn't want to do that to the sheep because he knew the importance of taking care of the sheep and keeping them protected. So he wouldn't just go and kill them without it being their time to be sheared or the ones that were going to be slaughtered to be slaughtered, right? Number five, weigh the reaction to the offense. Could it be that you're overreacting? Was David overreacting when he said, I'm going back to that town and I'm killing Nabal and everybody living in that town? Those other people that's living in that town had nothing to do with the fact that Nabal said no. They couldn't control what he did. And I'm sure there were probably families in that town that didn't even know David said word to Nabal and Nabal said no. Just like think about it. There's things that happen in your own community that when you hear about it, you're like, when did that happen? Or I didn't hear that happen. You're just living, doing what you do day to day, every day. And then here comes the wrath on you. And you're like, well, what did I do to cause this? That's what David was about to inflict on an entire town because of one person that he had a dispute with. So I say all that to say, think about things before you react, especially if there's an emotional attachment to it and it brings up certain feelings Think about it first. And it doesn't always have to be the anger side of the feeling. It could be something that you're very excited about. Think about it first. Let the feelings die down. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. Think about it before you react. So I think I've given you guys enough information with emotions and feelings and what you should do and how to handle them. I could have gone deeper, but you know, I, that would be how many talk shows talking about this. But I just like to give you guys information and then you could always go back and look it up for yourself. And then just now, just to when I play music, you get to just think about it. You know, what was she talking about? You know, how does this what is God saying to me? How does this apply to my life right now? Or what might I be about to encounter that God is telling me I need to pay attention so it's time for a music break. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. What Brooklyn? What Brooklyn sounds like. Hard pressed, but I'm not crushed. Perplexed, but I'm not despairing. Struck down, but in no rush. In it for the long run, in it for the marathon home run. Hard pressed, but I'm not crushed. Perplexed, but I'm not despairing Struck down, but in no rush In it for the long run In it for the marathon home run I'm not where I want to be I'm not who I thought by now I'd be Say that I want you But I can't live up to the desire inside of me Seeing all my broken vows All I try to hide is coming out Flaws that I hated And the expectations I carried around Oh, I'm stopping 
when we're wrong. No, we ain't strong. You know we wouldn't be if you was the kind of guy to never be when we pray. You answer from heaven and we say, when we pray, you answer from heaven and we say,
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now part of the show that I like to call Op-Ed. In Op-Ed this week, I guess it's going to be like a continuation of last week because President Biden, President Biden came to New York, girls, guys, everyone listening. President Biden came to town to discuss gun violence in our streets. And what would you know? Didn't yesterday another off-duty cop got shot in his foot while he was attending some service or some memorial something going on. And he witnessed two guys shooting in the street. He went to intervene and got shot. So this gun violence is out of control. But, but can I tell you something? Let me tell you something. See, in order for this, okay, let me back up a minute. Let me take a deep breath because I'm starting to get excited. I feel it. All this that's happening, we talked about this last year. We talked about spiritual warfare. That's what's happening. It's the, okay, it's the last days. We know it's the last days. Those of us who know the word know that it's the last days because we see the signs. Those of us who don't know the word still see signs, but they don't know what the signs mean. Everything happening now, spiritual warfare. Satan is letting everything out into the atmosphere because he knows his time, his days are numbered. He knows this for a fact. So this whole thing with the gun violence, the guns, the guns, the guns, we've always, we've always had guns being smuggled into New York. Always. It seems like it's a lot now because everybody's getting their hands on the guns. And I guess it's probably a, not, a lot more now because of everything that's happened in the pandemic. You have people who would not have thought about buying guns now buying guns. Okay. So you have Normal people, average people, you and I, perhaps, that's like, hmm, you know, with all this going on, maybe I need to get a gun to feel safe. Not that we're going to walk in the street and shoot people. No. But you'd be surprised how many New Yorkers have guns that are probably not legal, but they're not taking it out of their homes either. Right? So. With all these guns all over the place and everybody just figuring, all these gangsters figuring, oh, I could just shoot people because I could just do whatever I want. I don't like you. I'm going to shoot you. Do you know that we, the people of the church, we, the people of the Lord, and I say, when I say the Lord, I know that I have Jesus Christ as my personal savior. But for those who don't accept Jesus Christ as being their personal savior, you can still pray to God. If everyone, because God said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, when he says, my people, we know God created everybody. Regardless of what denomination you want to put yourself up under, he created all living people, okay? So everyone that's living, that believes in God, 
you could get on your knees and pray, right? Seek his face. And when he says, turn from your wicked ways, see, a lot of people get caught up in that and be like, oh, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm not like those people out there shooting. I'm not robbing anybody. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Wicked ways don't mean that you have to have a knife to somebody's throat to be wicked. The fact that you didn't hold the door for the person that was behind you that had, was struggling with a stroller and a baby, wicked. The fact that there was a person standing behind you online in a supermarket and they only had one item and you had two carts full and you didn't let them go before you. Wicked. All right. So don't think that when the word wicked comes up, that it has to be something so, oh, my gosh, how could you do that? No, it could be just the fact that you just looked at somebody and rolled your eyes at them like, hmm, wicked. All right. That's what he means when you say wicked. People always think, oh, wicked is like so Yeah, wicked is that because that's exactly what it means. But there are little things that you do that could be considered wicked as well, because God looks at everything that's not of him and of love wicked. Then he says. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we have the ability to change all this. Without even having more police on the force, without even implementing more stop and frisk, all those things that we want to fight against because we feel it's too, you know, it's bad, it's too much, we shouldn't have all that, too much police, too much interference with government, too much, too much, too much. We can control all that. Yes, we can control it with our voting. Yes, we can go and vote and put people in place that we want. But even with that, God controls the hearts of men and kings. Kings meaning people in authority. He controls their heart. So if God controls their heart and we vote them into office, we could then pray that God controls what they do. But we never look at, we never follow it through completely. We never follow it through all the way. We're just, oh, let me go to the poll and cast my vote. Yeah, and they better do what I want them to do. You know what? Hmm. Let me get on my knees. Let me ask the Lord, who's on this ballot? Who should I vote for? Because I want to know whose heart you already are about to turn. So if that's the person that I need to vote for, let me vote for them. And if God is turning their heart one way, and this is what most people don't realize, where people say, God can't change his mind. God can, it's not a thing of that God is changing his mind per se. God can do whatever he deems to do. If you pray to him, because he just said, if you pray, then he'll heal the land. But if you're not talking to him to ask him to do it, then he's not going to do anything. So when you're praying, you're asking God to do something for you. It's not a thing of changing his mind. You're just asking him to do something. Right. Think about when Hezekiah was about to die and he only had X amount of time left. And that's when I did the story on getting your house in order. He went to the Lord and he prayed to him. He prayed for more time. He knew he was going to die. Oh, we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Caller, you're on the air. Why isn't it picking up? I don't know why it's not picking up. I can't get you. I don't know why it's not picking up. I don't know why it's not picking up. Why isn't the phone picking up? 
I see the phone right here. I picked it up. I put it on. I don't know why I can't talk to you. It's always something here, right? Always something in the studio. I hear the phone, but I couldn't hear you. I couldn't pick you up. When I picked you up, you didn't come through. So I didn't hear what you were trying to say. I'm sorry. I'm sure it probably was something very interesting that I wanted to get on the air because I wanted to hear what they had to say. What I'm going to do is, what I'm going to do, people, I'm going to find out how I can get this phone to work because the way I just pressed it, it didn't go through. So next week, yes, I will be able to speak to you but I'm going to find out why the phone didn't pick up when I went to pick the phone up. That's weird. And I did press the right buttons. And I'm looking now and I'm not sure why all that's happening. But I say all that to say we can end this. And yes, we will continue this discussion because this is a very important discussion. It's not just something that you just, you know, gloss over and not talk about anymore. Because this has to do with all of our lives and in every aspect of our life. But I want to end up at there because I do want to give us our word for the month because we're about to end the show. Time has gotten past me. Our word for the month is transformative. And that means causing a marked change in someone or something. And I think that's very appropriate for what we're talking about and what's happening. We need to be transformative. And our promise for this week comes from Second Chronicles 714. Like I said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And with that, I want to say COVID is still out there. People be blessed. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. And until we meet again next week. And God sees it that we should be together again. Peace. Stay safe, people. Stay safe.